African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. It's a new day, uh, the last uh, program of uh, the week. Thank you for joining us uh, right here on our various platforms on Shortwave, on DSTV Channel 802. And if you're listening to us uh, online, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today we're going to be looking at uh, this uh, ever-prolonged process, uh, which is called Brexit. We're going to be looking at uh, its impact in terms of what does this actually extension in terms of uh, the plan that uh, uh, the British Parliament is supposed to actually put before the European Union mean uh, for the relationship between the European Union and uh, the and, and British as a whole or the United Kingdom? And also, where do we fit in in this particular equation with these particular continuous extensions where we don't know as the continent where Brexit stands? We know there's uh, a deepening uh, Brexit political statement stalemate that's currently underway. But uh, hey, we're going to quickly move on now. Uh, we've got uh, Anne Musa uh, standing by. Uh, she's going to give us uh, our news bulletin. In the headlines, a tanker that had been hijacked by migrants off Libya has been rescued at sea. At least 12 people feared dead in a suicide bomb attack in the southeastern border region of Dufanagia. And the health department in South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province investigates the source of the diarrhea outbreak in Freyheit, north of the province. A very good morning to you. I'm Anne Musam. A tanker that had been hijacked by migrants has been rescued at sea. It arrived in a mal- at the Maltese port after armed forces restored control to the captain. Several military personnel with weapons boarded the Turkish oil tanker when it arrived at the port in the capital. Armed forces say the migrants will be turned over to police for investigation. Authorities say the migrants hijacked the ship on Wednesday after it rescued them in the Mediterranean Sea and forced the crew to put the Libya-bound vessel on a course north toward Europe. At least 12 people are feared dead and several others injured in two suicide bombings in the southeastern border region of Defar in Niger. Reports on the France-based 
Najia website, Actu Najia, says simultaneous attacks by suspected Boko Haram terrorists, according to local sources, were carried out by two suicide bombers who were targeting several public buildings, including the police station. Boko Haram militants have been carrying out attacks in this border region since 2015, and the heavy presence of security forces has not diminished the attacks that have been on the rise in recent days. The Health Department in South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province is investigating the source of the diarrhea outbreak in Freyhate, north of the province. Over 50 people, including children in the area, have been treated for diarrhea. Head of the department, Musa Gumete, says they believe the source of the diarrhea outbreak is the water that comes from the Abarkulusi local municipality. It is obvious to us that water may be an obvious source of this uh, diarrheal outbreak. Uh, We are also concerned uh, that uh, the municipality involved, which is uh, Abakulusi local municipality, recently put under administration because of some challenges, including the challenge of distribution of safe water. We are therefore working with the municipality, including the um, Zululand District Municipality, where we've put plans together. We've also sent our teams uh, on site to take specimen, including those that are in hospital. Zambia's Lands and Natural Resources Minister Jean Kapata says the government is in the process of formulating the national land policy, which will make it difficult for foreigners to own land. Kapata was speaking when Chinese ambassador to Zambia, Li Shi, paid a courtesy call on her at the Ministry of Lands. She says there's a tendency by foreigners who come in the name of investment, acquiring huge chunks of land, then demarcate it and start reselling it to Zambians. The minister also says with the policy, land will only be given to investors for a specific project period after which the land is repossessed. And finally, Facebook says it will block praise, support and representation of white nationalism on its platforms from next week. The social media giant has also pledged to improve its ability to identify and block material from terror groups. Facebook came under pressure after Australian Brenton Tarrant live-streamed his attack on two mosques in New Zealand, killing 50 people. The self-proclaimed white supremacist's video was viewed more than 4,000 times online before being taken down. The BBC Sophia Easter reports. This is significant because it's a big shift from the policy the companies had in place for the last two years. Before, they didn't class this type of content as hateful. They compared it with other concepts of identity and therefore it was allowed on its platforms. However, after a lot of criticism of this rationale, Facebook had a consultation and the strong consensus was, in the words of Facebook again, that white nationalism and white separatism cannot be meaningfully separated from white supremacy and organised hate groups. Recapping the top stories, a tanker that had been hijacked by migrants of Libya has been rescued at sea. At least 12 people feared dead in a suicide bomb attack in the southeastern border region of Defar in Niger. And the health department in South Africa's KwaZulu-Natal province investigates the source of the diarrhea outbreak in Freyhate, north of the province.
Well, uh, thank you so much, Anne, for that uh, news update. Uh, just a reminder, around 11.45 Central African time, we'll have our business news, and uh, thereafter we'll have our sports. Well, today we're going to be looking at uh, uh, the uh, extensions that we've been seeing in terms of uh, the Brexit deal. It seems it's still an ongoing uh, uh, contestation in uh, Parliament. Uh, members of Parliament yesterday were trying to end the chaos over Brexit uh, with a highly unusual series of votes on alternative uh, courses of action, uh, but the government says it won't necessarily bound by uh, the results, which is also an interesting statement coming from government. And uh, it seems like uh, even currently there's still differences on uh, what is uh, put uh, on these particular options uh, in these uh, alternative uh, courses of action. And uh, what's very remarkable is that uh, Theresa May is still trying to convince uh, some members of parliament on uh, her deal and uh, know that she's still trying to uh, persuade the Northern Islands the DUP uh, because she relies a lot of support from them. But uh, to assist us with this uh, political statement, that stalemate that we found ourselves in, in terms of not knowing where uh, the UK is with its Brexit deal, we're joined by Trudy Hartenberg, who is an executive director at a trade law center. Uh, last year, she was a coach and she taught me a little bit more about how a trade law actually works on the African continent and internationally. So it's great having her on the show. Welcome to the program, Trudy. Thank you so much for having me. And also we've got Professor Yoansi van Veik, who is joining us from the University of South Africa. She is a specialist in international politics. She's part of the university's Department of Political Sciences. Well, let me start with you, Trudy, before I move to the professor. I mean, there's a lot of things that are happening currently, and it seems like the whole Brexit issue has been more politicized now more than anything. And maybe I'm actually informing the next uh, question that I'm asking now, where we are with this uh, current Brexit situation. Right. I think we have to keep in mind that we are in uncharted territory the United Kingdom, just to recall, has voted in, in June 2016 to leave the European Union after having been a member for 45 years. So during those 45 years, as, as a member of the European Union, its trade policy was done on a collective basis. And, and this is extremely important. So the European Commission has been negotiating trade agreements and, of course, the European Commission is also a member of the World Trade Organization, as are all the, the other EU member states, including the United Kingdom. But the individual member states, like the UK, do not have their own tariff schedules, for example, of import duties with um, members of the rest of the world that they trade with. So we are undoing a very deep regional integration arrangement for which there is no precedent. So extremely important. The decision um, in, in June 2016 was a particularly important one, but it was by a relatively small, small margin. So what has to happen? Brexit takes place in two phases, and we are still looking at the first phase. Um, on the 29th of March last year, Prime Minister Theresa May triggered Article 50 of the Lisbon Treaty, and that starts a countdown. And within two years, so that would have been until recently, the
the UK from the EU on the 29th of March this year. But of course, a lot has happened um, since 2016. And we are now in a situation where what we see is um, a really serious political dilemma and um, challenges in terms of a split within the Conservative, the ruling party, and the Labour Party. The, the population is divided. We've seen more than a million people participate recently in a march in London and mm. so on. But we are still dealing with phase one. So this is still the withdrawal of mm. the United Kingdom from, from the European Union. And what will then follow subsequently is that the United Kingdom will renegotiate its trade relationship with the European Union and also its trade relationships with, with other trading partners. But we in, in South Africa, for example, and our member states of, of the Southern African Customs Union and Mozambique, we have an economic partnership agreement with the European Union. And that really means that Brexit is very important for us mm. too. So we have mm. been in more than the last year been discussing what happens to us and our trade relationship with the United Kingdom. But in the last week what has happened mm. and, and specifically what happened last night was that um, among the member the members of parliament an indicative vote which is not binding um, was was held and various options um, were put to the members of parliament. And what emerged from that was that they simply cannot agree on a way forward. Mm. So we're in a situation where we are still stuck with Prime Minister Theresa May's plan and the withdrawal agreement that she has negotiated with the European Union. The major issue now, of course, is that, that she has also um, offered to resign um, mm. So to basically see through the first phase of Brexit, mm. and when it comes to the renegotiation with with the the EU for a new trade relationship, mm. she says she will not take part in that. So it's it's really a messy situation, very mm. complex, politically very very difficult where we stand at the moment. Mm. Let me bring in Professor Joansi van Weg. Thank you, Professor, for giving us your time as well. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, Professor, in terms of uh, that comprehensive response that we received from uh, Trudy, um, it seems like uh, uh, the Prime Minister, Theresa May, has been in a rock and a hard place for a very long time now. Yes, that's that's absolutely correct. Remember um, the way that she came to power when um, Cameron um, really... um, pushed for, for a referendum on the the, um, the Brexit arrangement. He eventually resigned, and then what happened was that Theresa May became then the, the Prime Minister. Um, so she was given really a bad hand, and she's tried to stay very true to, to the commitments that the Conservative Party has done. So in a way, this is a tricky situation because now she has to not only cope with what is happening within her party, also what is happening um, with in Parliament, also then the contestation that we see now on the streets of, of the UK, especially um, the past weekend's March, and then obviously to deal with the European um, Union and, and its member states. And then also, you know, the complication of the the deep integration that has taken place over years that Britain has been involved in the European Union. And, and now to untangle that without losing face and with 
that also is is to face the the Labour Party um, just wanting to 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 split um, uh, the the Conservative Party in terms of the kind of questions that it asks. Um, so it is really a, a democracy um, playing itself out. Um, at its crudest, I think, but it also shows us the importance of of international uh, agreements. You know, read the fine print. Um, how does people respond? And then, of course, um, the, the 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 underestimation of uh, what the population expected. So, by the time that the referendum took place. Um, Nobody um, in the, um, knew exactly what this will entail because people were so used to, to the benefits of the deal that they didn't understand, uh, you know, what does it mean to to um, withdraw from Britain. So she is really between a rock and a hard place, as you say. And, I mean, she has visibly grown older. You can see she's very tired just in her physical appearance. Mm. But then also within her party's ranks, there are now people coming to the fore mm. by supporting her deal, um, which means then that she will then indicate that she will resign. Mm. So there are a lot of um, jockeying going on in her party mm. um, for, for, for contenders for her position already. So, so there is a lot going on. Um, but, but most importantly is, is, you know, what will be the effect of, of, of Britain um, a, a withdrawal and then, you know, to, to not lose face and mm. say, but look, perhaps it is time that we say we are withdrawing our intention to withdraw. That's all right, Professor Van Veek, because we know just uh, over this past weekend there were allegations that uh, uh, there were uh, members of uh, uh, the party that uh, Theresa May is within uh, that were trying to oust her even within her own party. So you're even seeing fragmentization not only uh, from the opposition but also from Theresa May's own party. Yes, there there was even you know when she was elected. You may recall that there has been um, very much um, an opposing force within her own party, and then um, obviously those in favour of her, and and so it it becomes in a way a jockeying for for political positions. But it is also you know in terms of you know what is regarded as as good for Britain. We know that the, the Brits have a um, a very strong feeling of its own identity and um, being part of of, of Europe. Um, so so there is a lot that has been underestimated. So the fragmentation within her party is is also indicative of you know that no political party should be too long in power. Um, that that you know that, that the political jockeying becomes intense, that there becomes some level of complacency, that the government is is really not prepared to uh, to face um, adversary um, as it comes along. So so May in a sense has has then draw a line in the sand to say that look, um, it seems like there is there is um, a, a contestation between the Eurosceptics and the Europhiles. Um, the supporting her deal, and then the, the the fact that new contenders for her position is coming to the fore. And there will have to be a lot of mending to be done, but we know that politicians, um, you know, fight for, for, for themselves more mm. than for anybody else. Mm. So, so this will play itself out um, within the next uh, few weeks, um, mm. if not a few days, um, where this will be put over the cliff. And what I find amazing is, is that this, this is now in the hands of Parliament as well, mm. where it is no longer just an executive decision that is being taken, but also now we're at the legislative level, 
And we must also remember that that the the the, the legal processes in terms of questioning these deals have not even taken place in, in Britain. And whether that will happen um, remains to be seen. But the fact that Parliament is now speaking on, on this um, is, is also important because um, the British system um, means that it is constitution, uh, sorry, constituency-based. Mm-hmm. So MPs now have to go back to their... Uh, constituencies and say, look, this is what we done on your behalf. Mm-hmm. So it is basically the, the, the people that have, mm-hmm. are speaking, but it seems like it is still not that the people's voices are really reflected if we look at what has been happening the past uh, weekend. Well, do you think, uh, Professor, there has to be a de uh, of this particular issue and maybe there should be the option of... Uh, uh, re-voting for a Brexit uh, referendum? Should we ask maybe for another second referendum in this particular issue? Maybe could we see that particular direction? Um, you see, I think that the, the, the problem is that this issue is already so politicized. It is a political decision that was taken by the population, um, but also by the, the government now um, in terms of the, the withdrawal notice. So to, to depoliticize it will take very long. Remember, this goes also very deep into identity politics in, in uh, um, the UK. We've seen Scotland coming out. We've seen um, Ireland coming out. Um, even the Welsh identities and the English identities. So, so there is old wounds and old issues that, that have now resurfaced that was sort of all kept um, in, in place, so to speak. So, so to depoliticize this, we will we'll really have to go many, many steps back. Um, personally, as an outsider, um, not, um, I would say, you know, go back to the population and, and ask for, for, uh, and, and, uh, for a new referendum and, and then go back. So a lot of money and time has been spent on this, but, but clearly um, the full realization of, of not only negotiating yourself out of this deal um, has been underestimated, um, and, but the implications of this withdrawal um, um, has been um, um, now also been realized. And then, you know, then the deal. If, if mm-hmm. May's deal is accepted, it, it you know, it, that in itself is not accepted by everybody. So last night we've seen mm-hmm. that um, about 16 um, um, options were presented to the mm-hmm. Speaker. He chose only eight on which to um, the, the vote will be set in the House of Parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it is, it is clear that divergent views exist and that the, the six ones that have been deemed to be most acceptable, um, you, you know, um, has, has clearly um, been, been not been able to resolve this issue. Mm. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'm going to come back and I'm going to stay with uh, uh, Trudy Hassenberg. If you just can give me your time, uh, Trudy, I just want to get uh, some of those questions uh, we asked there uh, from uh, Professor Van Veek. Uh, that is uh, Professor Johansi Van Veek, who we've been speaking with uh, from uh, uh, the Department of Political Sciences at the University of South Africa. Also, we've got uh, the Trade Law Center, a very small center, but uh, has uh, 
amazing expertise around issues of trade law and a very big resource for the continent of Africa. And also internationally, we're speaking to the center's uh, executive director, Trudy Hassenberg. Let me take a quick break and when we come back, I just want to get some finer points there from Trudy in terms of uh, how this deal looks different to uh, the previous deals because I know that the options uh, which included a customs union with the EU and a referendum, any Brexit deal were actually supposed to help find a consensus. Is that consensus reached? Because I know issues around a customs union with the EU are still uh, contentious around this particular matter. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it's one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African Time. 1,000 African Voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. Okay, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. I'm speaking to Trudy Hudsonberg, who is the Executive Director at Trade Law Center right now. We're speaking to Professor Yoansi van Veek, who's joining us from the University of South Africa. Um, Trudy, let's... Uh try to wrap up this conversation in some way where we do understand where we are currently, especially because right now these alternatives are actually a bit vague for us, the public who are outside um, um, this particular matter, especially from an an African context. We don't really understand what's going on here. But in terms of the alternatives that were brought forward here, how does this particular system work? Because uh, there's an alternative voting system that has been introduced uh, uh, to deal with this matter in uh, uh, the British Parliament? Right. I think to answer that question, we just have to keep in mind what the regional integration arrangement that includes the United Kingdom as part of, of the European Union actually is about. And it's about a number of freedoms. The one that's particularly important and that's that's become particularly sensitive is that the UK, together with the other EU member states, is part of a customs union. And you'll see this playing out in the so-called backstop. And um, in in the withdrawal agreement, Theresa's May agreement means that for the time being, so in the interim, the transition phase, the United Kingdom remains within the customs union with, with the United Kingdom. And this is what many Brexiteers do not want. In other words, if you remain as part of a customs union, it means you cannot negotiate new trade agreements with other parties on trading goods um, specifically in this case. But on the other hand, we also have to keep in mind that the, the United Kingdom and the other EU member states are also part of what we may call a services trade agreement. And this means that, that goods 
and services move freely, capital moves freely, and there's free movement of people across the European Union. So those are really the four freedoms um, of the European Union. The customs union we've dealt with, movement of services is is also quite an, an important one because, of course, the bulk of the UK economy is actually a services economy. We often hear about the importance of the city of London and the financial services sector, but it really is a services intensive economy. So that's an important one. What was particularly contentious in the 2016 referendum was the free movement of people. So the immigration issue was really, really important. We are still hearing some of those discussions, but what is really at issue at the moment seems to be in terms of the options as far as the voting is concerned and and particularly the backstop in the withdrawal agreement is the customs union because the Brexiteers are saying we want to negotiate, we want to be free to be negotiating free trade agreements with to promote our integration into the global economy and to promote Britain's development through a freer trade policy. So I think that's really important to keep in mind. So just coming back, I think, perhaps to the process, what happens now? So last night we had what was called an indicative vote. It is not binding on on Parliament or on the Prime Minister to take what has happened, and effectively there was no consensus on any way forward. What still has to happen is that another meaningful vote, a so-called meaningful vote, has to take place on Theresa May's, basically, her option, her plan. And we're not quite sure at this stage exactly when that will take place, probably sometime next week. But before that, there may also be another indicative vote where a smaller number of the options that were presented last night may be presented to the MPs again. But again, it's very important to keep in mind this is not a binding vote. So even if all the the MPs were to, to choose a particular option, the Prime Minister may still say, well, let's now go to the meaningful vote at where she presents her withdrawal agreement. So what we need is for Parliament to approve her withdrawal agreement that she has negotiated with the European Union. If that does not happen, then there is a no-deal Brexit, and and the United Kingdom then leaves without a deal. And that's particularly important. So what we are seeing politically within the Conservative Party in particular is that some of the Brexiteers who've been vehemently opposed to Theresa May's plan are now saying, you know what, we will support this just to be able to get out of the European Union and for new leadership to emerge in the Conservative Party. And one of those individuals is Boris Johnson. Mm. So very important political developments within the Conservative Party, but then, of course, within the House of Commons as well, across um, the membership of the various parties. And we do have to keep in mind, of course, that that we have splits across parties, but also within all parties. So making it much, much more difficult to actually find some kind of sufficient consensus on the way forward at this stage in terms of this indicative vote, which would give some guidance 
to whether or not we can expect um, the withdrawal agreement to be approved in the meaningful vote. Mm. Trudy, right now the relationship is currently very strained between Britain and uh, uh, the European Union. What would happen if we still have this continued contestation within uh, Parliament and maybe we see um, uh, an exit by Britain uh, from the European Union with no deal? You know, the no-deal option is not in anybody's interest, and I think that's extremely important. But you do have to keep in mind that the European Commission and the European Parliament are very much looking after the integrity and maintaining the the European Union's interests. So um, this, I think, is really important to keep in mind. So they're sticking very much to the letter of the law, to the Lisbon Treaty, and the terms of conditions of Article 54 withdrawal from that agreement. And to be honest, I think we shouldn't be surprised at that. So what they've been saying to Theresa May in in recent weeks and months, we know what you don't want, but tell us what Britain actually wants. And on that score, we haven't got any consensus. As we saw last night, the the members of Parliament are not able to agree on what exactly they want in terms of a new relationship in terms of withdrawal um, from from the European Union. And I think that's really the important issue. We actually are not getting sufficient consensus on terms of what actually the United Kingdom wants. They don't want a withdrawal agreement at this stage, but the six um, options that were put to them last night, again, the vote was very, very split. Mm-hmm. So that's really the issue. So what Theresa May is trying to do, for example, through her offer now to resign, to leave the position in the near future, is to say, please vote for the withdrawal agreement and I will then resign and hand over to a new leader of the Conservative Party to chart the way through the next phase of the negotiations of a new relationship with the European Union. Is that a good thing that uh, uh, we're seeing that option of Theresa May resigning? Could we not see an introduction of further inconsistencies with this uh, Brexit agenda? This is my second last question uh, to you, Trudy. Yeah, this is it's a very difficult situation. I think by by fairly general agreement, um, I think there's there's a lot of disappointment and even some anger at the way the negotiations have been conducted. And, um, you know, one, one certainly reads in the media, many reports are saying Theresa May has not been a good negotiator. She did not negotiate a good deal. But she really was in a very, very difficult situation because on the one hand, she wants to maintain the integrity of the United Kingdom. And we do have the Good Friday Agreement between the two islands, the Republic of, the, uh, Republic of Ireland, which is a member of the European Union, and then Northern Ireland, which is part of the United kingdom and what she wanted to avoid was a hard border between the two so this is where the backstop becomes really important so for the interim the united kingdom remains part of the customs union with the european union so that there is no hard border so that on the one hand is a major major problem for her to maintain that integrity of the united kingdom but at the same time to negotiate withdrawal from the european Mm -hmm. union So it's a very difficult position because there are legal implications 
of the agreement that that the United Kingdom basically signed when joining the European Union. And that's very important to keep in mind. If you're part of a customs union, then you cannot negotiate independent trade agreements with third parties. But the benefits of being mm. in the customs union means mm. that goods move freely across borders. And so withdrawing from the customs union um, of the European Union has very important implications. For example, if we're exporting goods from South Africa, table grapes or beef, whatever it might be, to the United Kingdom, many of our goods actually enter the European Union through Rotterdam, the busiest port, and then they are transported from there to the United Kingdom. Now, if the United Kingdom leaves the European Union, there will be customs and border checks, mm. checks on the standards of the goods as mm. the goods leave the European Union jurisdiction and move across to the United Kingdom. So there are a lot of challenges that one has to think about in terms of the practical conduct of trade, our relationships, and how our goods will get to their final destination in the United Kingdom if the UK leaves the customs union of, of the European Union. And finally, um, the issue of uh, why we haven't seen the option of a revote for a Brexit referendum, why hasn't that been considered? Because a lot of reports that have come out from the ground are saying that even the citizens of the uh, country are actually divided over this Brexit move. Yes. <clears throat> Keep in mind that, that the result of a referendum in the United Kingdom is not binding. Um, it has so happened that the 2016 referendum was taken as a binding decision. And this is something that Theresa May is emphasizing very, very seriously um, throughout the campaign. What we also have to keep in mind about a referendum is that you have to be extremely careful about how you phrase the question. The question in June 2016 was a simple one. Do you want to be in the European Union or do you want to be out? It didn't say anything about how a new relationship, how the exit of the United Kingdom from the European Union would actually be, be formulated. And so having a new referendum, I think one has to think extremely carefully about how that kind of question would be formulated. What would you ask the public to vote on? Mm. So mm. that's an important issue. And then there is the issue that, in fact, it is not binding. Mm. So it's a complicated issue. I think what is true, and I think um, um, we have been discussing this in some detail, is that in 2016 there had been very little discussion about what a future relationship, if the UK leaves the, the EU, would look like. It was simply a matter of staying in or leaving. And at that stage, there were a lot of very important mm. discussions about the immigration issue. That featured very, very prominently. And I think it's fair to say that in some quarters, it was a very emotional debate. Mm. There are also the issues about that referendum in terms of the demographic profile of the voters. It seemed that the, the younger voters perhaps did not turn up in the numbers that might have been expected. That could be very different now. So there are a number of factors that one has to consider really, really carefully when going back. And I think the point Theresa May has been emphasizing, she's saying basically, but we've asked them once, we're not going to ask them again. Mm -hmm. But of course, democracy 
I think, could mean that we could have a mm. new referendum. Mm. So, but it has to be handled carefully mm. in terms of asking the question, what happens then? What happens if the decision now is to remain? Mm. Well, Trudy, thank you so much for giving us your time. I know you and your staff are a treasure uh, to our continent and even in the international community when it comes to trade law, just because of how the Trade Law Center scrutinizes issues of uh, integration and economy uh, in, 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 in the global community. So keep doing the great work at uh, the center. Thank you so much. Great pleasure to to be with you and Professor Yuansi. Thank you so much, Trudy. That's a Trudy Hartzenberg, who's the Executive Director at Trade Law Center. Now, this is an amazing center because they also scrutinize issues of even the Continental Free Trade Agreement, analyzing it, and also showing the gaps within that context of what's happening in that regard. So thank you to Trudy for her time. Thank you as well to Professor Yoansi van Veek, who is joining us from the University of South Africa at the Department of Political Sciences. Also, as part of this conversation, I wanted to include this uh, conversation that my colleague had, which is Kumbelo uh, Munzelele. He spoke uh, to Yanni Rousseau, Professor of Economics and Head of the School of Economic and Business Sciences at the University of Edvartisrand. And this is how their conversation went. And they actually extended the conversation to how the impact of this extension will have from an African context. Listen to this. Indeed, Brexit has deteriorated into a situation that can at best be described as chaos, and it's not clear where the United Kingdom will move next in respect of its Brexit initiatives. The only sense one can make of it is that Theresa May perhaps wanted this outcome. In other words, she never supported Brexit and wanted the process to deteriorate into chaos so that there could be extension for exit and perhaps no exit at all in the end. But it's difficult to guess at this point whether Ms. May has any plan in the matter. Now, a problem of uh, trust seems to be at the center of uh, this standoff here with uh, Theresa May not being trusted to such an extent that the Tory MPs want her to quit in return for votes, but the need for her to make such a promise publicly. A problem of trust, what does this mean for Theresa May's future as uh, the British Prime Minister? Miss May will very soon be challenged with in her own party for her leadership. It's clear that some of the members of her party has lost trust in her. It's clear that the members of the ruling Conservative Party are increasingly losing trust in Ms. May's ability to govern the country and to be a successful leader of the Conservative Party. Therefore, leaves no doubt that she will soon be challenged for leadership from within her party. The important question, however, is that it's not clear that any other leader of the Conservative Party and therefore a next Prime Minister after Mr. Theresa May will have a better plan on how to deal with the Brexit mess that the United Kingdom has now ended up in. With the deadline having been pushed back, could another referendum be in the offing here, Prof? There are 
quite a number of options available. The deadline can be pushed back indefinitely, which is not something that the European Union would like, but which is perhaps something that Mr. Riza May will like. Then, indeed, there can be another referendum. There can simply be another election in the UK to see which party carries the most support amongst voters at the moment. So a number of possibilities are available, but at this point in time, it is not clear where the whole Brexit process will leave the United Kingdom and whether the United Kingdom will indeed in the end exit the European Union. However, this high degree of uncertainty is of course not good for the United Kingdom itself. It's definitely not good for countries such as South Africa with big exports to the United Kingdom. Let's talk about the impact of uh, Brexit on the African continent. The African economies may be severely affected by this process, as you have mentioned. Others are optimistic, saying that the African continent will not be affected much by this process, as the UK will be looking at strengthening its relations outside of Europe. Are you optimistic? about the UK's future relationship with the African continent post-Brexit? The United Kingdom is a strong and big economy in the world context and has had traditionally strong links with the African continent. So if Brexit does take place, the United Kingdom will increasingly look at Africa for trading opportunities, for investment opportunities, etc. However, in terms of the African continent, we also have to keep in mind that China has its own initiatives and its own agenda for Africa, and the United Kingdom might run into difficulty in as much as China has already started the process of investing in Africa, of building relationships on the continent. Well, that's the voice there of Professor Yanni Rousseau speaking to Kumbelo Mzelele. Very interesting conversation there looking at uh, the various dynamics in terms of the conversation we've had with two of our guests uh, uh, this morning on where Brexit is. But we're going to be looking at the situation and I'm sure we'll keep you updated on that. But it's 11.45 Central African time. Let's quickly move on now and get our business news from Tracy Baumgart. Thank you, Benjamin. More than a 1,000 South African Revenue Service employees are participating in a strike action organized by the National Education, Health and Allied Workers Union, Nihawu, in Cape Town. The workers are striking after salary negotiations deadlocked with the union rejecting a 7% increase tabled by the Revenue Service. They are demanding an 11 point.